Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 133 of Purple Hyacinth. We have Weeping Willow, and today we have Bundan and Joy on the podcast. Hi. Hello. All right, so this episode starts out, most of the episode, this is like, oh, so nice, so, like, emotional, very just, like, low-key, and then, and then. Okay, I'm not going to lie, when I, like, I'm, like, halfway through the episode, I think, when I was reading it last night, I was like, wow we've actually like learned so much this is such like a nice like it's chill but it's introducing things it doesn't feel like wasted time it's like great we're gonna have so much to talk about and everything and then like the last like three five panels happen and I'm just like (laughs) and yeah I I was basically stuck processing that through screaming and memes for several hours before I began to think about the other stuff again so (laughs) Yeah. I gotta say, I'm still not over the ending myself. Like, and I've read it a few times, but it's a shocker. We'll get to it when we get to it. Mm. Yep. All right. Well, let's start with the normal stuff. We have um, it's this. I guess the the, the train station. Um, it's been rebuilt. I guess. Mm-hmm. Looks so. Mm-hmm. Looks really nice. It's um you know, really nicely designed. We have train tickets. We have this little girl running to, you know, to the train station. Just really nice. And then Lauren and Kim are sitting on a bench in the, um, right by the train station in front of a willow tree. And it's just really pretty. Looks like it's covered with snow and the sky is blue with a bit of pink dot-like sunlight in the clouds. And there's like icicles on the tree. It's just, it's a whole very nice setting. Good vibes. Mm-hmm. And Lauren has obviously been telling her some stories and Kim responds, so you're telling me that the council voted and collectively agreed to slaughter the Snapdragon? So right away I was like, oh good, Lauren's being open with her, Lauren's talking to her, finally they're actually having a DMC, they're actually, you know, instead of just joking and bantering and hiding stuff from each other, Lauren's telling her substance. Yeah, it's like, um, I remember you last week when you were just screaming at Lawrence, like, tell Will, tell him everything. And I was just like, she's not going to because plot, but also like kind of see why. But like for this, I'm glad that she's being open with Kim because she and Kim have not really had that like deep conversation yet, like really facing everything that happened in the factory and after. So I was really happy to see this. Mm -hmm. Yep. And she tells her yes that's what oh we're using one. <laughs> that's what Zakin told me she's and then we have like the flashback of when um the part of the conversation that we did not get to see when Dawkins and Tristan were um just saw Lord right after her um the explosion apparently they had more conversation that we did not get to see which remember we we talked about that I think during that episode we're like wow that was short or something like that <laughs> yeah and even after finishing this one like in when i when we got to this i in my mind as i was scrolling i was like why are we getting this now why couldn't we get this earlier and i get it's more like for the sake of like like, or, like in the disco when i was trying to like figure it out i was like 
it's like withholding information and and now like thinking about it it's not necessarily withholding information it's more like it's basically kind of like unreliable narrator but not really it's more like you only get certain information when like it's 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 best to have it right because we would have could have like had this for the whole time might have just felt really weird to just stick this whole long bit into that episode because i if i remember correctly that episode ends with like was it Kieran going? No, that was a different episode. I think was the whole episode just them talking. Oh no, it flashes back to like Kieran and his little mini flashback at the end. So like maybe that would have made the episode feel a bit too dense with like just being mostly with like Lauren and her uncles and all that. So I don't know, but uh yeah. As I was reading, I was like, oh, kind of wish we got this sooner. But also having it now makes it more fresh in our brains. And I mean, it doesn't really tell us anything we didn't technically already like come up with. So it's it's not, like, the worst thing. Um, and, like, thinking about it now, I don't mind that it was put in here. But, like, this episode took me a really long time to read. It was a lot of information. So yeah. I feel like it was just, like, a lot of information at once that I had to kind of just, like, read it a bit more slowly to process it. So it could be just a mixture of things. But, I mean, in the, at the end of the day, I think it's all right to have it here. Mm. What do you think, Joyce, about having this flashback here? I actually kind of like having that here because I kind of feel like since it's got a lot of, like, information and even though we as the reader are able to figure this stuff out, this is the first time these characters are hearing it. So and a large part of mystery is putting is finding certain clues and getting certain information at a certain time. And honestly, I think the episode you mentioned previously where it's like Lauren and Dawkins and Tristan are all trying to get together, it's a lot of that episode is a very emotional one. And I think having to have a bunch of exposition, okay, here's what happened to the Snapdragon and all that kind of stuff would have really taken away a lot of the emotional impact of that episode yeah yeah I agree I think I think the purpose of their encounter there was to show us how connected they are and how they feel for her and how she regrets what that she caused them pain so I think that having this part would have taken away from that focus yeah yeah I feel that too um like just kind of because like you know things happened in this episode that kind of had like you know the processing of everything is kind of different and then I'm thinking back to things and like remembering as I was reading them so yeah I I think that it was probably best to put it here but like I don't know it still like feels a bit like I don't know not disjointed necessarily but it it did make the episode feel like because even after this we get a lot of exposition again so I kind of wish that it we had a bit more room for the for things to breathe Oh, I love exposition, actually, because I'm like, Purple Hyacinth gets a lot of questions. And I'm like, yes, finally, we have some answers. I'm I'm happy when we have exposition. (laughs) I don't know, maybe, maybe narratively, I I should be more like, discerning, but I just, I'm just plot wise, I just want to have it. (laughs) You know me, I'm also very like, oh, give me the thing. So um, I I, I probably don't even have like, a a waste like a justification really it was just like oh that might have felt a little weird to me but does it really matter no like at the end of the day I still just chill and enjoy it that's like like I could be like oh that felt a little weird but am I still like am I gonna be like oh this sucks I'm like no I like it personally I always like it 
Mm. All right. So yeah. So this flashback. Um, all right. One second. <laughs> Actually, just posting the in the liquid winter thing in the background. Um, I knew it would be taking a long time to this. All right. So we have Doc in the background saying it was an XX16. A bounty had been placed on the Snapdragon. And each time they would issue a pamphlet, the court spared no measure to deny their allegedly defamatory revelations. And Tristan is holding Lauren while he's talking. And then he continues, newspapers and radio stations were told what to say. They portrayed the snapdragons as anarchists, liars, and trouble stirrers. Anything to keep a negative public opinion. Like, well, that sounds very fairly typical of like a lot of, you know, autocratic governments around the world would do this. Yep. And Dawkins continues, then after the release of their last pamphlet, the bounty was increased significantly. An anonymous letter was slipped into a councilman's office written by a Snapdragon member. So this is the betrayal that the leader was talking about. Um, I guess we'll finish it, but I, I want to speculate on who this, on this betrayal. It says, it promised information in exchange for protection and money. And we see the, it looks like actually the council member, um, what's his name? I don't remember, but he looks familiar. It's the guy with the like mustache or whatever. I only know the queen and Dokken in that room. Right. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and the king. Yeah. Uh, well, there's more females in this one, so it's not exactly the same council, but whatever. That guy looks familiar. The council decided to trust their only lead, and arrangements were made. And we have that we see the council. It's black and white, and then we see what looks like the king. Although the traitors never reveal themselves, and the king is holding um, the letter, everything's blurred out except it says Orion's print shop, February twenty fourth, XX sixteen. Now, the second and last letter revealed the location and time of the Snapdragon's next meeting. And the king crumbles the letter. Obviously, it's a symbol of how he's going to crush the Snapdragon. Disappointed, the council tried reaching out for a list of names, but got nothing. The traitor had already disappeared with the money. And Tristan continues, everything was kept under secrecy. Even the APD didn't know anything of it. Dawkins says, so much so that even I was kept in the dark. I knew I would oppose it with all my might. Okay, so that was a very significant lie for me because it's not a lie. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so confused now. So, okay. Who's the traitor? And we were all sus of Dawkins, but this line very much unsusifies him. I don't know. I have to, we have to parse this out. <laughs> okay. In my mind, because I was reading this, and like he said, I would have opposed it with all my might. That is an action that he would have done. It is not a feeling or like what he thinks. Uh-huh. Like I could oppose something in person, but privately be okay with it, right? Like so, it could be like that. But like in you know me, I'm like I'm like sus of Dawkin, but it's like March is my number one sus, right? Dawkin is like sus, but not like sus. So <laughs> I I find like either way, it could be like you know hiding a a potential lie in that he said i would have opposed it but it's like oh but did you really not agree or did you do all these things other thing is the fact that this person whoever they were betrayed them took a bunch of money and dipped who do we know became really rich before all the things take place and who was incredibly poor beforehand apostle seven redcliffe yeah like that's that was my mind anyways like redcliffe so from um, Grey Chapel. One second. Wouldn't wouldn't the leader know who betrayed him and like kill them? I mean, that's what I wonder, right? Because then my everyone, mind went, oh, yeah, everyone died but them, right? Like, yeah, I think it was the, the leader, and was it another person's fight, or was it just the leader? 
who died. I mean, I think I think most of the Snapdragon died, right? And the survivors, except for the Sinclairs and the leaders. I don't think the Sinclairs were even there, from what I remember. Like, yeah, like Lauren's parents were in it, right? How did they survive? Because they probably went around, weren't they? I don't know. Some what if it was her parents? Become... That's a... No, but they already have money. <laughs> no, no, but that makes no sense. Why would they be if they if they had been the, the, the traitors? Then why would they be in the Phantom Scythe? The Phantom Scythe, I think, were the survivors that became radicalized because they, you know, the rest of them had been killed. But they'd been offed as well, right yeah, Al- after Allendale as well. So, revenge. I won. I wonder if the Sinclairs were part of the Snapdragon and like some of the stuff that went down with the Snapdragon, everything like, and becoming the Phantom Scythe, they may not have been particularly aware that the Snapdragon was like no longer the Snapdragon. I think I don't know. It kind of strikes me that the that the ATST took them by surprise as much as as much as anyone else who wasn't involved. So like even though they were in and they were the like the apostles, like the first known I think there was still a bit of hesitancy on part of the leader to let them in mm-hmm. fully on all his plans because he knew that they would never agree to killing a bunch of innocent people to get their message across. And also yeah. they wouldn't send their daughter to the place that they yes. knew would be blown up. No. Unless they were in cahoots with possibly Dylan's dad who sent them away. <laughs> yeah, Dylan's dad. Everybody, like, I've been seeing people be like, something about Dylan's dad, something about Dylan's dad. And like, he's popped up again in a flashback in this episode later, right? Like mm-hmm. we never heard anything about his body. We his he and his son are gone. He was assumedly poor. Like Will's dad would not let him play with Dylan when he was small because they were at a lower station. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that you know Mr. Rosenthal didn't just dip with his child? Wouldn't that be something crazy if like he betrayed the family? took his son and, and bolted and that's just why Dylan is missing. It's because his dad was just <laughs> like that. That would suck. Wow. That and very anticlimactic too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I mean I guess now I want to speculate a bit about Dylan Dawkins because he says he was kept in the dark and he didn't know that this was gonna happen. I don't know. I'm so confused now. <laughs> Like, what is he and who is he? Maybe he just is what he says he is. Maybe both Doc and Tristan. No, that doesn't make sense. He said suspicious stuff before. Ugh. I don't know. I feel I feel like we're being, what's the word? I don't know. Misled? Misdirected? We're being messed with, for sure, in some way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I still highly suspect that Docking might have been, like, some form of Snapdragon. Like, I am... Not certain if he's still in Phantom Scythe or not, or if he is just because some of it's like I think this episode definitely causes him causes him off the leader, like position as leader for me. But you know, there's still some room for him to still somehow be involved with like the Scythe or the Snapdragon, or you know, 
Yeah, you know, the fact that it's a fan society, you have to keep being useful to them or else they'll hurt you, they'll hurt the people you love. So, like, who knows if he, maybe he's just being blackmailed at this point, potentially. <laughs> like, you know, we'll kill Tristan and Lauren. And he's just like, ha, no, okay. <laughs> but I don't know. He, him being Phantom Sight, I feel, would almost be too expected, right? Like, <laughs> March, I feel like, like, if it's both of them, that would be crazy. If it's neither of them, that would be even crazier. Well, we, need, we need a few people to fill those apostle roles. Like, it's not going to be just one person. Oh, no, but I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know. Dokken being fans of Sai kind of feels like an inevitability based on, like, what the things we get in the plot. Like, you know, he's got that letter in his desk from them and, like, he's like, that last language he, he used in, like, what, 113 was when they talked about this stuff. Like, I don't know. I feel like with March, it's like everybody loves him. He's just a good guy that we like. He's like he's like your cool uncle. And like, you know, he's always good with Lauren and everything. And if he turns bad, like I, I mean I would have seen it coming, but mm-hmm. next one would like to say hi. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I guess I want him to be I think he is a good guy, but Whatever. I, I'm curious if the resolution will be like, oh, like everything will fall into place, or if it'll just leave us more confused <laughs> than mm-hmm. we started. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one thing that also strikes me is that how ruthless the the government, the monarchy, and the council are. I mean, they're just flat out brutes. I mean, this is like, I mean, whatever. There's countries around the world who behave like this, and it's just it's horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, the king, what's his name again? King Edward. He mm. seems like a very, like, not tyrannical. I don't think I would go that far, but very much, like, anti-freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Um, definitely doesn't like when people talk badly about his him or his, like, the establishment or the status mm. quo. Anything that disrupts that is a direct threat to him. And he just gives very like paranoid world leader vibes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, what Tristan says is also very important that even the APD didn't know anything of it. And I think a lot of the reason is important is because um, we we can't have the APD be like too bad because more a lot of our favorite characters are in the APD. We have like Lauren and um, you know and, and Will and Kim and March and whatever. So I think that. I think that line was also there just to show like that also Tristan right wasn't involved mm-hmm. yeah Tristan and I, he's beyond sus at this point he's he's fine like if he if he's it that'll be a, quite a shock to me mm-hmm. yeah so will they continue King Edward and the council passed a secret vote to decide the fate of the snapdragon the overwhelming majority which shows that some people voted against it but that's good favored their assassination. And so on the night of February 24th, the NSA, which we had just previously heard mentioned, Mm -hmm. made sure that any living soul present at Orion's print shop would not make it out. And it looks like kind of like a SWAT team, a lot of kicking down the door and shooting. And Lauren in the flashback says, that's horrible. How could they have agreed to something so abject? Can't believe it. Yeah, sorry, Lauren. (laughs) I can (laughs) Imagine not being completely disillusioned with your government and their choices. Couldn't be me. (laughs) 
And she says, but I don't understand why they didn't capture them and execute them instead. That penalty was still legal at the time. It would have been unusual for the court to stifle something that would set the example, which is a good question. You know, why not do it the legal way? <laughs> I don't know how much better that is, but whatever. <laughs> like, you know, you're following your own laws. So you're not like a hypocrite in a way. Yeah, I guess. Sure. And now Tristan, sorry, Dawkins continues. Well, since the um, insurrection, that's so funny. I didn't even notice that word before. Um, I, I, I noticed that as well. It was like another word to add to the words I don't know. Yeah, and typically no stuff like that. But um, Instauration. Instauration. Um, mm. everything is so slow i can't okay i'm not looking it up now because... i can look it up yeah. mm. insurrection no it doesn't even show up installation installation maybe installation uh re restoration after decay lapse or dilapidation oh so they see it as like cleaning out the filth mm. restoring the order potentially okay. okay um okay so since the restoration i guess of the bounty some tensions started rising within the populations some people still believe the snapdragon despite the court's repudiation the middle class and the south south shore especially had no reason to object to their requests and tristan continues the snapdragon were citizens like any one of them who didn't commit any proper crimes besides their allegedly defamatory revelations King Edward grew scared of the reaction to an official execution. Instead, he chose to make them disappear silently. Which, you know, it sounds like, hey, wait, if you if these people disappear, won't people be angrier at the government? But I guess if there's no press to spread the word, then not that many people will hear about it. Lauren didn't also, know about it. Yeah, and the, also the fact that this happened in a shop in the South Shore, which is a lot of crime, a lot of just murders happening. So if a bunch of people just end up dead in a place like, oh, it's just typical day here, according to the government. So mm -hmm. I think they mentioned that later in this episode. Right. And Lauren asked that they never investigated those people. How could they should be sure they got everyone? Any survivor could expose them, which I think, by the way, is a crucial line. I think it's like a, a tip or, or to us, the audience, like that there's a survivor, right? We know that there were survivors, but I just think it's like, Something telling us to be on the lookout. Yeah. And he said, arrogance. The court was arrogant enough to believe that the slaughter would dissuade any survivor from speaking up. Besides, manipulating the truth and pinning the murder on any lowlife or great chapel would have been easy enough for them. And you see Docked, young Docked, <laughs> receiving the letter from the painting site. And he says, I failed to realize, realize any of this until I realized a warning letter from the leader. Sometime before the Allen Hill train station action, train station tragedy. And you see him yelling at the king, and Elizabeth is actually behind him. I thought that was um, Philip. Philip? Oh, nope, you're right, right. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense because he's looking like, and he's very concerned. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, we could do something. Like, you can see that on his face. So you can see yeah. that he's very different than his father. Yeah. And also, you can see, unlike his dad, who's just actually cruel and uh, like strict with these things. He is just kind of letting things happen before him, not being decisive. Like, you know, it's, it's, it was Dokken who received the letter, but he's not as enraged as Dokken. He probably even knew that it was going to go down. Like, you know, he's the heir. He might be sitting on these meetings at this point, you know, like, mm -hmm. who's to say? 
but I don't know I I didn't even think of this before but it's just like yeah wow it just shows Dokken feels very passionately and was willing to go up and yell in the king's face while the prince was just kind of on the side watching in concern but not doing anything yep there that's king prince uh it's rust and yeah Dawkins is just yelling he doesn't have his famous mustache and he says that's when i understood what they've done and that all of our followers would have to suffer the consequences and lauren is just sitting in the chair looking horrified and disgusted really and the court failed to see how wrong they'd been until the tragedy was upon them and king edward perished in the explosion so that's the end of the flashback um i guess joyce i'd like to hear your thoughts because it seems a bit quiet hold on i'm gathering my thoughts actually (laughs) okay so So, yeah i will say like a lot of it a lot of this is like it's not it doesn't really feel like new information, even though it's the first time we put it. Because it's like, because with the real world parallels, there's a lot of different governments who do this exact thing. Where if someone dares to vocalize any sort of dissent for the government or like or how they're running it, they will shut them down through any and every means necessary. So. Mm-hmm. And yep. like, and it's kind of scary that all this is happening. But I think, I think a lot of this, uh, this section really kind of shows you what the heart of this is really what kickstarts this entire series, which it basically happened like more than ten years before, even at the start that of what we see. And I think it's kind of interesting how, like, actions do have consequences, and a lot of times they will have consequences that ripple through, you know, through spans, and they'll span through generations, is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Like, we have blown up, Lauren was just a kid then, and she's, and, you know, but a lot of it, it kind of helps you understand a little bit of where the site is coming from. Not that I think any of us would agree with how they're doing it, but you know, no. but you can, but does you do see the cause and effect very clearly with this section. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we've definitely discussed that, like the, <laughs> the morality of fantasy science a lot before. So now we go back to the present where Lauren has finished this recap and Kim is looking very contemplative and she's looking down, um, sunlight behind her, and she says, they literally brought it upon themselves. Damn, thank you for telling me. I didn't know. Just can't fathom how terrible they all were. Lauren continues and she says, yeah, and even knowing what they did, they still willingly ignored the leader's warning before the Allendale train station tragedy. It could have all been avoided. And yet, we focus in on her. And she's looking at the willow tree. And obviously, like, we know, we know Lauren's thinking about some emotional stuff. And it does come up. Uh, and she says, and it's a really beautiful shot of her. She says, I used to always come here with Dylan. We actually planted this willow with his dad. And we see like a little, little memory of 
Mr. Rosenthal and Dylan and her, and there was like a little baby willy, willow tree. They were having fun. And she says, you would expect it to have been reduced to ashes by the explosion, but this side of the train station was the least affected by the fire. The willow burned partially, but didn't die. Okay, do you think that was on purpose? <laughs> if Mr. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, go ahead, Joyce. Okay, so uh, this afternoon I did spend my work break looking up because I thought it was very interesting that she bring that the authors decided to bring up this willow tree right here after we start talking about like the what led up to the ATST mm-hmm. and how this tree survived. Mm-hmm. So hold on, let me pull this up. So I think this is from betterplaceforest.com. Mm-hmm. And so, according to that site, the willow tree often symbolizes flexibility and adap- adaptability. Lumber and supple nature of extremities means it bends to accommodate and withstand strong winds and adverse weather. Many therefore see it as inspiring and symbolic of humans' capability to withstand hardship, loss, and difficult emotions. Thanks to its long life and ease with new trees, that can be rooted from cuttings. The willow tree is also seen as a survivor and a symbol of rebirth. Hmm. So the willow is Lauren. Oh, that's <laughs> um, I I really like that they the, uh, the uh, a running theme from the beginning to now has been the meanings of plants and flowers has been sprinkled throughout. Obviously, the purple hyacinth, so the main one, but. We got, like, in the end of season one, you had Dylan, like, saying all the different meanings of these different flowers. And then the fact that Lauren's favorite flowers when she was young were daisies and those represent innocence. And, like, you see it. It's it's consistent throughout the narrative. So I kind of like integrating that into this little story. Of, like, it being a willow is 100% intentional in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty. But yeah, I love how you looked up, Joyce, what it means. So thank you for, for doing that. And I think I think it really does like represent Lauren, like you said. So I, I'm wondering if like the, the fact that she told us that the, the willow was not affected, I wonder if that's supposed to tell us that Mr. Rosenthal was involved in planning the bomb and he was like, well, I don't want to ruin my tree. So I'm going to make it not affect that side so much. You never know. I mean, if his, like, in a way, it could also symbolize him. If he's in the Phantom Scythe, it could be like, yeah, this willow is about to go through some terrible stuff, but it will survive and persevere. Just like how we survived and persevered when the government tried to murder us in the print shop. Ha! <laughs> but, you know, I, I, that would be really interesting. Like, I've said before, like, I'll be like, oh, that, that sounds a bit far-fetched. And then it happens in, in numerous <laughs> like works of fiction that I've enjoyed over the years so honestly I'm down for anything like if that happens sweet if it doesn't good try it, I'm, you I'm, had the pieces I'm wondering how the fandom will react if like we get to the end and Mr. Rosenthal is literally just that's it he's just Mr. Rosenthal and he's done nothing in the story <laughs> that would be a big fun <laughs> thing I mean that was me with Kieran's shoulder scar like yeah. I remember talking about that <laughs> That big square chunk out of his shoulder. People being like, that's gonna mean something. And I was just like, 
it's just a scar bro like what and then like like the man is covered in them that one just looks a little different it's in a different spot like whatever and then it became a thing of like oh my god they were right like two years ago <laughs> so yeah that's what i'm saying like i have had to eat the humble pie before so i'm like you know what sure <laughs> i'm open to anything yeah, I think I think it is significant just because it takes up the whole line. And, you know, in the stories as opposed to life, any the the person who's telling the story is putting every detail in, right? In life, you look around and there's like a billion stimuli at once. There's the setting, there's the sounds, there's the the sights, there's the furniture, there's the food, there's the smell, there's the people, right? Every it's all these stimuli and you have to take it and make like meaning out of it. But a storyteller, everything they put in is already meaningful. They're not putting it in for nothing. They're they're writing, they're drawing. They're putting in dialogue and it's all intentional. So it's kind of easier to pick up on intended meaning, right? So if there's a line, you're like, why is that line there? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of another fandom right now, but it is so random and so unrelated to anything we're doing. But I remember when this thing happened that people were theorizing. I just remember being like, y'all are stupid. That's not what's happening. And then it happened literally the next season. And I was just like, oh my god they were right like you know, that happens to me a lot man so i'm i'm not knocking anything the <laughs> fact that like lauren is kind of reflecting on this is like you know a symbol of her past and showing like it was like young like she was at the time it was mm-hmm. hurt like she was in the explosion but it has survived and grown and thrived like she has now like that's one thing but the fact that it was him and dylan there as well like multiple meanings layers the onion shrek same thing <laughs> Like right. the story has layers, meanings upon meanings. <laughs> now I just decide to look up how long it takes a willow tree to grow from that size to that size. <laughs> I think they grow pretty quickly. Uh, my aunt has a bunch of willow oh. trees in her backyard, so yeah, they add up to ten feet per year when young. That's a lot. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Mm. Hmm, that's fast. Yes, I started growing a willow tree and then my husband cut it with a lawnmower. So oh, try I, don't again. Think, I don't think it's coming back. It's a fast growing tree. It's good for carbon sequestration. Get help with climate change. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. Yeah, fast growing trees. We use willows for like circus time and the Jewish holiday. So it's really easy to propagate it. You just put it in water and roots grow. So I, I'll do it again in a few months. And this take this as a sign. Purple Hyacinth's telling you, plant a willow. Yeah. <laughs> so she um, continues and she says, it seems stupid, but something about the fact that it survived helped me believe that. And then it's like, yeah, we know what's coming next. Kim knows too. And she's like, you're still searching for what happened after his abduction, aren't you? So you see, she's, she calls it abduction. Okay, I'm thinking this is a slip on the part of Soap and F because no one has in purple in in the story has ever said he's been abducted. Everyone assumes he's dead. So the fact that they say abducted, I think it means he actually was abducted. I think it's a slip, like they wrote Redcliffe in the season two recap instead of <laughs> instead of Apostle Seven. Yeah, I I can see that. Like, um, because we don't like Lauren only like thinks of it as being a potential like kidnapping. Like, it hasn't told sense. Him. Yeah, like Lauren we haven't seen her tell him about this. Then again, there, think- we've had. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think she actually did tell Kim, like, about, like, it was sometime early, maybe season two. I'm not as good at keeping track of those numbers as you guys are, but there was one point where, like, Kim sneaks in the window and she's like, yes. And at that point, she's like, hey, I found out through Sake that there were people, there were some children that were kidnapped. 
because I think that's what Ken's referring to. Uh, that is it. Here I thought I discovered a plot hole. I mean, a, a plot like giveaway. Oh well. <laughs> no, I forgot about it too. But then, um, as you began talking about it, I remembered it. So probably show up on the video, just me being like. But yeah, I remember that. She's like, yeah, Sake said something about kids. So yeah, and Kim is intuitive. She could put two and two together. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> she's one of the most perceptive characters in the series, other than Lauren, like, in terms of certain things. Inductive, inductive reasoning. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah, and I'm glad they're talking about it because I think Lauren for a long time has just been not verbal about her search for Dylan. Um, you know, she kind of keeps it to herself, maybe because it's embarrassing, but it's good to be open about what you're feeling and what you're thinking and what you're doing. I mean, it kind of shares the burden and the relief, like it gives you relief. And other people want to help and be involved, right? Like, who are you to like dissuade them? Like, mm -hmm. you're ta in a way, you're taking away their agency for the sake of your own peace of mind, in a way. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And she continues and she's like, Yeah, I need to know. And Kim says, I wouldn't stop this far either if I were you. Sometimes I wonder if I moved on too quickly, too, with my sister. Oh, and that's when we got a whole sister arc, and it's really cool. And Lauren <laughs> continues, and she says, no one can blame you for it. Your parents tried. I can blame you. Hold on one moment. So, yeah, and she starts, and then she's cut off. She's like, no one can blame you for it. Your parents tried. Like, what? Your parents tried what? <laughs> Give us what we want to know. Tell me. <laughs> Honestly, Kim's sister is one of the things we know the least about in this entire series. Right up there with like Kieran's backstory. We infer. We have nothing confirmed. We just know that her sister died. It was tragic. It was sad. And Kim had to deal, like had a lot of um, issues with that. Went to therapy because of it. That's it. That's all we know about Dana and the lullaby. That's it. Watch. At yeah, the time so she gonna, died. We're going to learn, quote unquote, a little bit more about her. And she, Kim says, yeah, it was an accident, quote unquote. One among, one among so many others. And we, all right. So we now see a stone and it says, November 13th, XX17, in memoriam of all who passed on that tragic day. And so I guess, can we infer from here that she died in the train station? It was the 13th, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, I, I should um, know the date of this thing. I don't. Yeah. I'm not I'm, sure. I'm, Honestly. I'm just going to Google quickly and see if the Purple Hyacinth wiki has it. I, know. I was going to actually do that also, but I didn't have time and also my brain. Was uh, well, you guys talk while I Google. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming it is. Um, and then Kim grabs her hands, Lauren's hands, and she says, Lauren, look. Which, by the way, the grabbing hands thing, but okay, I'm just going <laughs> to relate a reference. I'm glad we can finally speak openly about all this. And it's a really nice shot of the two of them. To finally know the truth about you, the court, the phantom scythe. But damn it, please, please don't ever do something like that to me ever again. I have never been this scared in my entire life. Not since. And her hands are shaking. And... She says, oh. so I'm so happy that she's finally opening up to her. Like, this is the conversation we've been wanting them to have for so long, where Kim was, you know, not telling her how she felt after the um, the explosion. I'm so happy they're finally talking. 
yeah it's uh, as I was reading this I was like god this is everything that we've just been needing to have in the narrative because Kim's been having issues with this very much since basically the beginning of this season we're like almost halfway through the season over halfway I think if it's about 50 episodes per season if I have that right so yeah it's been a really long time since they've been this like vulnerable and open with each other about their wants their fears like being real with it not skirting around it for now um yeah it's just nice to see also yes it was on the 13th so her sister did die in the explosion Mm -hmm. i wonder why is she pulling an accident though everyone knows it was a terror attack an accident like so many others that makes me wonder though like was it like a different thing that just happened to happen on the same day but also why would her tombstone say what is it uh in memorial of all oh i think i think that's actually not her tombstone i think that's just the memorial oh at the thing oh yeah yeah. i was distracted by um looking it up so i didn't really pay attention to that panel very closely huh but like you know she's talking about like the accident and then it cuts to that so that like narratively tells you without saying that it's alluding to that right I'm like, think, unless, unless they're red herring us again <laughs> i don't know what it's if she got hit by the car, the car that had all the kids and that's how she died <laughs> oh no <laughs> that would be terrible that's too much coincidence because lauren almost got hit by it they don't care about the people that they're gonna hit with that car man just saying right. yeah it could be she was like a responder, right? And she got a hit with like falling debris or something. Or she saw something she wasn't supposed to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Saw the kids being kidnapped, tried to act. Ooh, that would be poetic justice. Oh, oh she, what if she tried to escape like Billy, baby Dylan and Kieran if they were if they were getting kidnapped? Like, mm-hmm. and Kieran remembered her last scene and told Lauren. He's like tells her how she dies. Ah, uh, because <laughs> she would not be this elusive of a character if she didn't come up again at some point. Chekhov's dead sister. She's gonna come up again at some point. They put her on the wall. By the end of it, she's gonna be involved. Yeah, <laughs> right. I agree. I think that there will be some plot thing with her. And. Uh, Kim continues, well, actually, Lauren says, I know, I know, she covers her, Kim's hands with her own, she says, I am sorry, Kim, I truly am, well, art is beautiful, by the way, she looks gorgeous, and she says, it was like, Kim says now, she's looking away, there's so many beautiful panels, it's just like, um, it's stunning, and she says, it was like, reliving that night all over again, feeling lost and powerless, not understanding what's going on, or how we've come to that. A part of me precisely understood one thing. She reaches into her pocket and takes out her pocket watch. And it was that someone I love was going to die. So interesting. Going to die rather than died. Did she take a while to die? Did she start to die there? And then maybe, maybe did she get injured and then die a few days later? Like what happened? I, I don't know if, it, if it's just like the awkward sentence, like, and it was just not important or if it's actually like that she didn't die right away. Could be that she's um, oh, Sorry, you go. Sorry. Uh, I was thinking that maybe Dana knew something, whatever, and like she would have been up at the station when initial there before hearing her official had that, but that she was killed shortly afterwards, like Lawrence 
parents were because of like something she knew or was involved in or something. But yeah. Like if Kim was has always been as intuitive as she is now, she would probably catch on that there's something going on. It's not a new like something beyond it's the usual the cop usually doesn't cop in a family usually doesn't tell you everything that goes on at work because mm-hmm. they want to keep their family safe and somewhat innocent as much as possible but right and yeah, that's maybe... actually the, yeah that's the next the next panels which i didn't connect even the two like it shows what you're talking about like sorry to drop it i'll <laughs> just want to do the panel the issue of dana showing look holding kim's hands she's like don't be mad kim i'm a cop i can't tell you it's to protect you so yeah, so maybe yeah, that that really led to get into the theory that she knew something. Yeah, like following what her what she said, I think maybe she was involved in like the task force that was dealing because remember that they had gotten the threat that day, but they thought it was going to be at the palace and not mm-hmm. at the train station. Maybe she was involved in like trying to do that. Maybe she was like trying to insist that they go in other places or protect the king. Mm-hmm. Who knows? She. She seems like an incredibly, like, we don't even know her yet. She seems like she was a very capable, skilled officer and was probably very good at her job. So, I don't know, I feel like she could have had some sort of insight that we just don't know about yet that was Mm -hmm. crucial to the plot in some way that will come up later. Yeah. She also looks like she really is a good big sister. She is smiling to her. She's holding her hand. She's trying to talk to her and explain to her. It seems like she was a really, really kind, kind and good older sister and close to Kim. Oh, poor Kim. And when she said it's to protect you, it's, you know, we have the light on the background. So it's like obviously a horrible scream and the pocket watch clings and goes on the floor. And then we have a little a vision of Denise Liddell um, on the gravestone. Beloved daughter and sister, X1995, XX17. Rest in peace. The twilight gleam washes over you. Is that from the song? Like the lullaby yes. song? Yes. yes. Oh. Also, I just realized that the thing with her, the screaming and the watch dropping, that was probably the moment that her sister died potentially and came out of shock, drops the watch, and that's when the watch broke and she just never bothered to fix it as a reminder. Oh. And that hurts. Hey, what's the time on the watch? Because then we get connected to the train station. People have done that before, I think. I think it's like, I can't remember the exact time on the watch, um, but it is, I think people have said that it might line up. Um, I forget though. Um, I'm trying to remember what episode it was. I feel like it was in the 20s, no? That is like 12.20, it looks like. 12.20? Yeah, 12.20, 12.25, somewhere oh, in that range. Time. Wait, are you looking at the older episode where it shows up? I'm this, looking this at episode, this one. Yeah, this episode, it shows it at 12.25, but mm. I don't know if that's when it broke. That's just the vibe. Hmm. Oh yeah. Well, that would be fun to see if we can connect it. Um, and you see like Kim looking at the it looks like Kim, right? Is Kim visiting the, the grave? Yeah, little okay. baby Kim. Little her baby. eye color is not she got the I beauty mean, mark under her eye. I just looked for yeah, I guess I was like, well, silver eyes looks like the newsboy cap. Maybe that's done. 
<laughs> oh, she's got them dead eyes that the characters get when they've been going through some stuff. Yeah. And she is still looking away and she says, I felt similarly when we discovered Harvey's body in that closet. We were blissfully unaware of anything and the next moment he was dead. We have that flashback. There was nothing to do. Dead. <laughs> Lauren thinks herself she still doesn't know. Oh, Lauren. Hiding stuff. And she continues, then there you were. There was you on the second floor of that factory, running with a bomb in your arms. And one second later, dead. I'm sorry. Mind you, thanks for saving us all. <laughs> I've just, I've just been scared for you. And it hasn't stopped ever since you came back. Shakes her head. Lauren says, I'm scared too. And I wish I could have told you that sooner, but it was too dangerous for everyone involved. What we were doing was also illegal after all. Kim says, well, at least you were aware of it. And Lauren continues, when I teamed up with him, when we became a loon, my sole condition was that the people close to me would never be dragged into this. I knew what I was getting into. I knew how crazy and hazardous that alliance and goals were. And I never wanted the risks I was taking to have repercussions on you. She puts her hand on her shoulder. And Kim says, I know, Lauren, but the secret is out now. We know now. Your partner is dead. And that's a lie. <laughs> I mean, haha. We've been new <laughs> that she knew. <laughs> but I love yes. Kim using that as a way to get Lauren to like be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I always I always liked the idea of um the people who know know her and know her skill kind of using it against her in a more like not a harmful way, but kind of like in a playful way. So like, you know, saying things that they'll know will mess her up or like have her be like, what did you just say? Like, I, I think that that feels very in character for her friends to do. So I like that. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's very funny. <laughs> and Lauren's face first is like, huh? And uh, she continues, but Loon isn't really. You're still spending your nights investigating your leads just like you did for Dylan, but we can help this time. And Lauren finally laughing. She's like, sir, we both know that was a lie. <laughs> so funny. And Kim's like just smirking at her. She's like, you may have your superpower, but mine is that I know you better than anyone else. <laughs> she gets up and she's like, I know when you are lying. <laughs> and Kim, uh, sorry, Lauren smiles, sad smile. And she says, I can't tell you who he is, Kim. <laughs> so, um, Kim now stretches. She's like, God, I'm getting old. Can't believe my body's feeling stiff just from lying down. Oh, I'm sitting down. No, Kim, that's not why. <laughs> pointed this out. I wanted to like just I wanted to like put down everything, just walk away and stare at the moon. Because there was no sun, but I would, I would just stare at the moon, just be like, mmm. I remember, the, I remember the first time I read it, which was actually the time that I read it, I was like, wow, like, why is she saying this? This is solely, like, random and interrupting the conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know when I read that. It's like, I just thought it was, like, typical Kim just being random because she does <laughs> say and do a bunch of random stuff. But... That was my thought. <laughs> I thought that it was just her being, like, adding, like, you know, adding little fun character-isms something flavor kim's full of flavor yeah. she adds flavor to the story That's that is really flavor. brilliant go on sorry yeah you go ahead yeah i just gotta say that's really brilliant foreshadowing right there that like it really does fly over you in the first read <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. You're so invested in the in the learning of what like all the information we're getting, right? So you're just like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yep, Kim being funny, okay. <laughs> oh. And she is standing up, she's looking down at Lauren. She says, Look, I'm not gonna ask you. I get it, you know. You wouldn't lie to me until unless it's to protect someone. But I beg you, be careful what you're doing with him. Another really nice panel, sun behind her. And Lauren says, I'm trying as much as possible. And she's like, what are you looking for now? What can I do to help you? She's like, Kim, you're my best friend. And as much as I'm happy not to have to hide from you anymore, there are just things I cannot tell you. Information that would put a death flag on anyone holding it. And I've already endangered you and Will enough. <laughs> I knew it. I knew she was going to say no. And <laughs> Kim just shoves her down and puts her hands, you know, her face close to her face. She's like, listen here, pensive eyes, fucker. You still worry about putting my life in danger. Ha, 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 ha. I swear to God, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> oh, because I already have to watch you die in front of me. And I couldn't do anything. Stop being so afraid of getting us in harm's way. Lauren's like, oh, shocked. And she says, we are already in danger. We are all blind, except for you and your partner, it seems. Hmm. I feel like that's a significant line. Yeah, I liked that call back to the um the prologue, mm-hmm. blindest of all, and all that. Yeah, it's not so. I don't. It's not like so relevant to the conversation. Like I don't know if it's. I feel it's a little bit pigeonholed in, but it's okay. <laughs> and she says, I, "I don't ever want to feel powerless like that again. Never again." She turns away, and she says, "I know you wouldn't either. It would drive you crazy." Which, yes, Kim, we agree. Like Laura's like Laura would hate it if someone did it to her, but she does it to her friends. <laughs> yeah also just her being like stop trying to protect us like we're all in danger like it's just like about to prove your point really well kim (sighs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, just as it does for me right now sorry did you want to say something joyce just one i really like that she called her pensive eyes fucker yes funny i love that they haven't used the pensive eyes thing in a long time they did it last week glad they did it again (laughs) That's all I wanted to say, but yeah, Joy. Yeah. No, I wasn't saying anything. I was just uh, vocalizing because I know things. Yeah, the feelings. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and now um, she's gripping her shoulder. She says, I know nothing in the world can make you stop your activities right now. She releases her and Lauren looks up at her and sort of sighs and she says, so let me in. Let me help you. That's the least you can do for me. And I'm totally on Kim's side. I, I would hate to be lied to or denied knowledge. And, oh, yes. I, I'm totally with Kim. And Kim is an asset. Like, she figured out who Lauren was, like, even before, like, she was told about it. Like, you know, she could, she's very good at what she does. She's also a really good shot. Like, that could come in useful. Like, she could help out in so many ways. And I know Lauren's concerned about them, but I feel like she should really understand at this point that, like, because she doesn't really worry about what happens to her personally, right? To her own self. Mm. But whenever she is harmed, if she's hurt, that impacts everyone who loves her around her. And I really wish that she, that would get into her skull that it, it's no better if she's the one who's the only one getting hurt, you know? At least her friends helping could help, you know get her out of a situation potentially because she's not it's not just her and Kieran it's a unit now mm-hmm. and I, I really want her to get that through her 
her thick skull that she can get she can accept help and could be better for it Mm -hmm. but i i also get where she's coming from she's lost so it's like i get it but girl get over it like they're here to help it's gonna be better if they help Hmm. alas yeah that seems to be a recurring theme in like for pretty much all the characters they like they seem to really have trouble letting people in like for fear of like hurting someone else Mm -hmm. so it's like I don't know value of teamwork or just trusting other people and knowing that no like the that saying no man is an island like you don't just exist in the vacuum what you do and what happens to you will affect the people around you Mm -hmm. sorry just to build off of that I realized each one of the characters everything that they do in a way is a reaction to the loss of someone that they've cared about or the potential loss of someone like Will losing Raphael has caused him to just follow his father's way and not be his own person not do what he really wants for the sake of like you know his family whatever Kieran has his protectee they're gone he's doing all of what he's doing to avenge them Lauren lost Dylan her parents whatever trying to get justice for them and also for herself and all that kim so kim had dana we don't like we don't really have as much information about that especially in the earlier season she's still deeply impacted by it we saw how she reacted to javi's death that it was something around along those lines of her kind of being struck by mortality just like in front of her just complete random loss of people that she knows and loves uh, and then this happening to Lauren again has kind of like gotten her now okay I just want to help you like let me help you and that's how she's expressing how not wanting to lose Lauren again mm-hmm. wow huh <laughs> loss and yeah all of, all of the characters what they do stems from loss right hmm. you know I I think like the only I, I I totally agree I think like Lauren should let that in in terms of you know, they would be great help for her for analyzing things and plus, you know, they shouldn't shut them out. The only thing I do think justifies Lauren's decision is Kieran's safety. Because I think oh, that yeah. the more people know about Kieran's identity, he's like gonna be severely compromised. And I think that is really dangerous to expose. So that's yeah, well, yeah, that's why I appreciate that like Kim has not been trying to get his identity. She's not implying that she knows his identity, even though it's been hinted that she kind of does um mm-hmm. before. but she just wants like in whatever capacity she can she just wants to help Lauren and I think that just kind of shows like she understands why Lauren is not telling her this Mm. but for all the other things she wants to be there yeah yeah totally get that (laughs) all right so Lauren is taken aback she has this little bitter smile on her face she stands up and she says puts her hands around her says fine you're right Still, <laughs> there are some things that I cannot tell you. And Kim has our reaction. She's like, raw. But I will when the time is right. Okay. Fine. Whenever that is. <laughs> like, after everyone's dead, probably, but fine. I was about to say, like, <laughs> honey, you you can't be <laughs> saying these things because <laughs> then things are going to happen. You're not going to be able to say anything to anybody. <laughs> right. I promise I'll be careful and try not to get into danger unnecessarily. 
Gibbs like, you better I'll soak wool socks in your coffee till the day you die. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and she laughs. They're hugging. And she says, don't worry. I know better than to awaken your wrath. And Tim says, but I guess if you're not too careful and die too soon, the punishment wouldn't last very long. So this isn't really working. She smiles. She says, I'll find another one. And now she's stroking the, the time, the, the clock. And she's looking at it while she's smushed against her Lauren's shoulder. And she kind of pauses. She frowns. And she sees that her hand is stiff. And she her eyes widen. By the way, um, the allegory is not lost. That, you know, this is like time stopping, right? The end of the time, yeah. end of the life. It's the same thing. She's holding it. And she remembers Darcy picking up Morgan's hand and it was stiff. And Jason picking up Morgan's hand and it was stiff. And she's like, Oh, and she's shaking, and Lauren says, Kim, and she drops the watch, once again, like her sister, crangs on the ground, and then she starts coughing, and Lauren's like, Kim, Kim, and she's coughing and coughing and coughing, hey, Kim, and she's like, God, <laughs> damn it, and she's coughing and coughing, and she coughs blood onto Lauren's face and drops down, and this is a big crash. The end. <laughs> Die. That would be. Well, so much for that. That was nice, emotional, calm episode. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you, go, you could go ahead. I need a minute. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like. I was thinking, not Kim, and, like, literally all day when I have a lot of, like, when I'm doing my work and, like, kind of going on a day, I'm like, not Kim, not Kim, like, there's still a lot of stuff she didn't have seats out with Will yet. Can we, this is gonna happen. Like, how is everything going to go on, and why is she being targeted now? Like, the only reason I could think of is, like, somehow someone knows she knows Loon's identity, but, but, like, that's the biggest thing on her, except that you'd want her alive then, right? So. I don't, I don't think she was targeted. I think it's just because she touched Morgan. Yeah, um, I wasn't around for last week when that episode came out, so I didn't really go through the Discord or anything, but apparently there was discussions about the fact that Darcy, Kim, and Cooper all touched the body, but Kim was the only one who didn't have gloves. And then I heard that last Ooh. night as we were talking about this, right? In my mind, I I suddenly dust off my my bachelor's in, in biology. I had to take <laughs> microbio, I had to take so many things. I was like, you know how very few diseases are communicated by skin-on-skin touch alone, yeah. right? And I was just there like, it is most likely droplets in the air. It's in the air. It's in food. It's in something, body fluids, let's say, blood. So, like, you know, the she she's, like, talking on stage, has the stuff in her mouth, just getting around. And, I, but, and then and as I'm doing this, I'm also remembering that this is a world that has different laws, different animals, different biology, because 
they got a venom that's like acid and like kills you in seconds and like dissolves your body like we i'm pretty sure we don't have that localized to the spot maybe but not that and i was just there t- talking about like diseases and all these things people were like what if it's a disease it's the covid the covid thing of, of our house and it's like no i don't think it is it's straight up poison because mm-hmm. remember why would seven have belladonna be there and give her all these schematics of how to get in and around inside of the opera house she probably rolled up poisoned some of morgan's stuff because remember morgan was not supposed to be on stage she was she was brought in because the actress who was it before couldn't do it she was brought in specifically i think that was some phantom size bs brought in bella did some shit poisoned her dies on stage because it takes some some time for it to come into effect the reason she died was because she got the full dose of it kim probably got like a residual dose from like you know cpr and like touching i again how does it spread i don't know um and then the reason why nera didn't get it was because bella rolled up and covered her mouth and probably had something on her pan to like mm-hmm. antidote i don't know but that that is my tinfoil hat theory i because yeah i don't think it's a disease i'm pretty sure it's poison because I feel like having some sort of epidemic in this would just be like way more stuff to deal with. And we already have an established person who's very knowledgeable about poison. And I feel like that just makes more sense. So yeah, I was just going into that. Huh. To distract like me from the shock. Yeah. I like your theory, but like, so so you're saying it wasn't from the bullet. Because like, I know a lot of us were thinking that it was from the bullet that raised her. Because there was focus on it, but... I feel like if the Phantom Scythe had, like, special bullets that, like, just a flesh wound can eventually kill someone, they would have begun using that a lot sooner. It wouldn't just be in, a in like, what was it, a random messenger's gun? Because, like, yeah. what if they shoot someone that's that a useful person like to interrogate? Like, I could see that. It could right. very well be that. Because they make a point of showing her leg being cut and whatever. And on the one hand, it's just to show that she was the one who was spying. But on the other hand, right. it could be it, multiple things. The onion again. Layers. Um, I I, I like your theory. Yeah, I like it better than the bullet theory. Yeah, I I that's just the only reason I can justify why they they show us beforehand about Bella being there mm-hmm. and Lady dying, and her immediately going up to Nera in the open, not even like trying to hide anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That's that's just it to me. The other thing, just unrelated to it, is just like I this episode is just completely chill advice we've been wanting it then this happened and in a way i felt when i was reading this episode which is super nice and stuff and then we get this thing at the end it kind of distracted from thinking about the rest of the episode i've not thought really much about the rest of this episode until now doing this i did not read it again i usually read it read it at least once before Mm -hmm. every episode like the night of like i'll read it a few hours later or whatever this is when I was just so like caught up in it because I'm I'm like I'm like you were shocked about this happening, but it, I thought that she was realizing something about her sister's death, maybe being connected to the the same poison that killed her. That's why she was looking at the watch, and then she just drops it. And it's like came out. I thought she was like having a panic attack or something, and then the cuff, and then she I see the blood on Lauren's face, and the way I dropped my phone on. I was like lying down in my bed. I dropped my phone, and I was like, I like sat up and I immediately pulled my laptop because I was like. In a way, I feel like it was intentional because I can understand, like, I've had a day to think about this. I can understand Mm -hmm. that they wanted 
like people kind of feel like it was a distraction and like I've seen people talking about like you know it was kind of like what's the point of doing this because Kim is plot armored to the teeth she's not gonna die and I know that she's not going to die because- I don't know I don't know I, I think she should die you can't keep and I think I'm, I, I didn't read through the whole discord but like I know several people have said like you can't keep doing these fake outs it's bad yeah no <laughs> have like- to follow through yeah, I I just don't see like Kim has so much more to offer in the plot, and then like it's just wasted potential, and it would be disappointing for her to die. But then saving her from this, anyways, would also be disappointing in a way. So it is a bit of a lose lose situation that they put themselves in right now because yeah. now they risk because they're already on thin ice with Lauren, Kieran, and Lucas all surviving after that yeah. night, right? So, like, okay, Morgan dropping dead and staying dead. You know, they they did that. But I don't know. I, I, thinking about it now, I feel like maybe the distraction was intentional in a way to kind of throw everything. This is, this is clearly meant to be something to start something else that's going to go on in the plot. What that is, I don't know. For me, (laughs) I'm a very much a trust the process type of person. Uh-huh. So I could be annoyed about a thing or be not like not understand it, but also I don't have the entire I don't have the end product. So mm. I am very much like I'm down with anything as long as it makes narrative sense or like it makes sense in the moment and then by the end it all comes together. We mm. don't have that yet, so I hesitate to really like say anything further. Other people obviously can be unhappy with kind of this development I don't blame them but I don't know I just don't I don't think I I feel like they need to have something be different with this because if it's just her because my theory again is that Morgan got the whole dose and Bella knew that this type of poison spreads to other people potentially who come in close contact that's why she went up to Nair and did the thing Cooper will probably have some issues too, but he was also wearing gloves, people say. But I'm like, if I don't think the glove thing, if anything, the glove thing just made it so that Kim got it faster, let's say. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I feel like I'm rambling right now. But yeah, I I don't know. I feel like there needs to be something that makes this different from any of the other like fake out death situations because I don't see Kim dying. If she dies, it's, it feels like wasted potential of a character that had a lot more to give because we still know nothing about her sister we don't know Uh anything about a lot of her inner workings so it would be a great loss if she is dead but if she's not dead it kind of feels like you're doing all these things for the sake of the drama in the moment but not really following through on it having like repercussions that really last throughout the narrative and I I'm very much a trust the process person I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and say that this is going to be something but at the moment, I don't blame people for not being entirely happy with this development. Sorry for my gigantic speech about that. I've been thinking about it for a day now. What do you think, Joyce? I am very much hoping that Bunding's theory that she isn't actually going to die is right, because I there is still a lot of loose stuff going on in the Kiwi section, like, because Kim now knows of this supposed girlfriend of Will's, she, but she does not yet know that they've already called off the wedding before it even started, and 
she so she has some of the bits and pieces and she does know that Will got tied up with something at the theater and like everyone has pretty much noticed that Will's been off mm-hmm. for quite a few episodes and you know so I kind of feel like they need Will and Kim need some like they haven't had some sort of conversation just kind of similar to what her and Lauren were doing right now but just to kind of get caught up on like Kim finding out about Will's dilemma with his father's expectations and then he's actually got some information from his long-lost brother about and it could potent and it's very much potentially tied into the snapdragon as well not to mention I want Kiwi to set sail. <laughs> so we all <laughs> Yeah, that can happen if Kim dies. <laughs> well, it could be a motivation for Will to be more active. I forgot someone else else said this too in the Discord, but like Will, obviously his main problem is he lets other people, specifically his father, do you know make those decisions for him. So this could be an impetus for him to be like, oh, oh my God, Kim died, and now I'm gonna have to like avenge her and have to take action, and he'll be like, um. You know, like he'll help Laura now, and he will be, you know, energized by this. So that that's one possible outcome. But I kind of agree, I agree with you, Laura. Laura, <laughs> sorry, Bundan. I agree with you that um, I could easily believe that. Um, <laughs> I agree with you that Kim has more to like to do in the story, and for her to die like this out of nowhere with no build up, it kind of it has like no purpose, and there's no impact. There's no there's no she isn't fulfilling anything with the death. Like, I, I agree it would be out of nowhere. But I, I'll also be disappointed if it's just, like, what I suspect they'll probably do is that she'll be sick for a while. She'll, like, rush into the hospital or deliver an antidote or, I don't care, will pop up and have an antidote. Who knows? Um, but I feel like she'll probably be sick and then wake up, like Lucas, where it's, like, fake stakes. It's like, oh, he's, he's sick. We don't know if he's going to wake up. But really, he wakes up. So... <laughs> I feel like that might happen, which is not so great either, but no. It would be great. I would love if they found a way to make this work in a way that is not disappointing because she's alive, but also she's dead. Like, if they can thread that needle, because they have just made a very tiny little needle hole, if they can thread that and make it so that it is narratively satisfying... Yeah. I would be really impressed because I feel like right now they have written themselves into a very difficult spot. Mm-hmm. But we, again, we only have so much information and I'm hopeful that they can get themselves into the, like they, they took six months to plant this, to plan this season, right? Like they took a lot of time to work it out. And I, I don't know. I, I have my I've just I've put my faith in them before and I've been impressed and I'm just hoping that that faith carries through if it doesn't like I can't really say I'm not gonna be like mad mad but it'll just kind of feel like what was the point of it then like why do this because I they must have known that this sort of thing would happen where they've already had these people that should have died but didn't And if they keep doing that, it's going to feel very cheap by Mm. the end of it. And I don't know. It's really, I don't know. 
I'm I'm dying to see what they do with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, I just keep thinking about the memes because there have been some very funny memes. The top comment on this episode is probably my favorite thing. This is the Chrissy wake up. I don't like this. And I made, made a TikTok of that and shared it on Fast Pass chat like two hours after the episode dropped because I needed to just be able to laugh about it. And then also, because if I didn't laugh, I'd just keep thinking about the sad stuff, like the fact that Kim's parents are now going to have to deal with the prospect of losing another daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm not good with that. <laughs> they seem like good people. And we're probably going to see them mostly for the first time in the next episode. Right. And it's because of this. And it's, it sucks. And it's sad. And I don't want them to be sad and have to go through this again. I don't have to have to Kim be going through this right now, obviously. Also, she just coughed on Lauren's face. What does that mean? Yes. Is Lauren gonna... Yeah, That's what I was thinking. Body fluids. Guaranteed way to get someone's infection. For sure. But I feel like Lauren's also not stupid. And if she she knows that, like, okay, something happens. Like, meaning the second time around, I think, you know, she'll be like, well, working on it. Whatever is happening to Kim, I have to, like, at the very least wash my face and, like, go to a doctor. I just thought of something really dumb and funny. So, like... Cooper being a dick might have actually saved Lauren's life. She would have been around Naira and the body and the crime scene a lot more if he hadn't kicked her out. Okay. I would love if that becomes a plot point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, if you're, like, this would get for being a dick, you end up getting sick with the poison or whatever the hell it is. I don't think it's a disease. Not gonna lie, when I, when she coughed and there was blood, I just kept thinking of Boulon Rouge. You've seen yeah. the movie or musical. Yeah, the, the the blood and the dying on the stage and then this happening. She's like, we really get it. <laughs> I, just, oh, I can't believe how shocked I was by it. Yeah. It's a it's a twist. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, I think the main reason that they put it here is they love cliffhangers. That's <laughs> just plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a twist. I, I can. It's a mystery series, right? We, we're not supposed to have all the answers for everything. Having these twists keeps things like you know fresh. But again, I'm very concerned about what they do going forward from here on out. Mm-hmm. Still gonna read it. Still gonna love it. That's not gonna change. But it will be very much like, uh, hmm, that was a choice. Let's see what the choice was for. What it leads to, and right. I'm hopeful that it leads to something really amazing. But. We don't know. Yep, snoodles. <laughs> so what what was your guys' favorite panel in this episode? This whole episode is just so pretty. Yeah. I love when she does the overcast like lighting sunset. Not even sunset, but like, you know, that white light is just so nice. Yeah, dust, I think. Yeah. I think for me, it would have to be anytime they show the well, like, I think, like, at the very beginning with Kim and Lawrenson in front of the willow, that was just so very picturesque and something that is very lock screen wallpaper worthy picture. Yeah, I agree. I think those are. I mean, Lauren and Kim have a lot of beautiful panels too, but I think the the long one, like the horizontal one, with the the willow, is is very beautiful. This one, where it's like yeah, yeah, that's it pretty. is nice. 
I really like the one right before that, the one with Lauren sitting down because you just see that little wisp of her breath going to the side and catching the light. Um, mm. That's the first time I think we see that in this episode or like the first time we see that like she's in the middle and like the the way that the, the frame is um, put together, just it feels really nice and balanced. And I like the little wisp, but also just the ones of Kim with the light behind her and her talking. Mm-hmm. are just really nice yeah. such good atmosphere in this entire scene mm-hmm. like you could feel the cold you could tell that like I'm just surprised that they're not wearing gloves because my hands get freezing <laughs> in in weather like this like they get they turn red and numb I have to wear gloves in in this weather I'm not built for the cold so. right. I also just realized in the theme of clocks and frozen clocks the clock appears to be frozen too because it's two o'clock but we know that this should be evening time because they finished work and they want to visit Lucas. So yeah, all the clocks in Real High Sims have like weird times on them. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like I'd love it if they had they came up with like an in-universe reason for that, but I kinda like, I, I kinda like it. Like the APD believes in early dismissal. <laughs> that too. Hmm. Never know. All right. Do we have anything else to say on this episode? It's very full. I hope Kim makes it. <laughs> it is very full. It took me so long to read it. Like yeah. there were several times I had to stop and check the side thing to be like, "Wow, I've only like I've got I do I still have a lot of time left." I was impressed by that. I was like, "I'm glad I get like such a nice long episode." I don't know. I I like it. Mm-hmm. I I understand the concerns. I am concerned, but I am hopeful. Like that willow tree, I will be resilient. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the message we're supposed to take away from the willow tree. Mm. Hopefully Kim is like a willow tree and she recovers. Uh. Yeah. Also, did you see what so- what Soph was going to do that you put in the author's note at the end? Did you yeah. read that? <sighs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, I was just vocalizing. Sorry. <laughs> If they, because that's one of my favorite songs from Purple Hyacinth, so I know it really well. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, if they did that, I would have done so much shit. (laughs) It's funny. I I enjoy I enjoy the humor in these in these trying times. Yeah, I've never written anything serious. It's always funny. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's their style. All right. Well, this was fun. I guess meaningful, impactful, whatever. dramatic and yeah thank you so much for joining and we'll see we'll see i'm nervous it better not just subtly twist to like oh now we're doing Raphael next episode or let's see what redcliffe is up to that would annoy me so much if they did that <laughs> honestly if if it doesn't immediately go to the aftermath of this yeah like i would just be very concerned about like the weight that they put on like maintaining certain narrative threads to their their natural extent <laughs> but <Yep>. yeah <laughs> all right well thank you so much and we'll see what happens next week thank you for having us again mindy yes Bye. thank you Bye.
Thank you so much to my current patrons. Susie, Lady Libris, Lily Jenny, Molly Veronica, Emily Jo Rochelle, Saucy Toggles, Anna Rose, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Emilda, Esther, I'm watching you people, Emily Jean, Jen, Aaron, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Duranta, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Teresa, Mrs. Gastaldo, Tatiana, Louisa, Rachel, and Stacey Moon. Your support is truly appreciated.